This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is a go, a special all-decade edition of the show, your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome! Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who, frankly, makes my BYU Sports Nation all-decade host team, Jerem Jordan. Thank you. Let's see. Let's name some of the other hosts. Uh, Jason Shepard, Johnny Linehan, Kevin Nixon. Tanner Mangum. Kyle Chilton. Johnny Linehan, you said already? Yes. Duff Tittle. Uh, David Nixon, one time. Blaine Fowler, Dave McCann. Okay, that's good that I made it. Kate Hansen. Kate Hansen. McLean. That's right. There have been some Ben uh, Bagley has co-hosted. That's the producer even hosted. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the, that's the list a notab- is up over ten. That's a notable list. I'm uh, happy just to be on the list. You're in, you're in my five. Thank you, Charles. You're, you're in my five. What was that like eight years ago? <laughs> that was so long ago. Today we look at the best of the past decade in BYU football as we present officially our BYU Sports Nation. All-decade football team. Now, everyone knows that we've uh, got an extensive research team here. Oh, just a crack staff of 20-plus that have mm-hmm. scoured box scores and summaries and recaps. Something like that. Uh, yes, 20-plus, maybe minus 18 or something. But um, some very official closed-door balloting happened to discover the top players between 2010 and 2019. Those 10 years, including the one that... Uh, has happened recently. Yes. We have scoured, and that's one of my favorite scoured. verbs. We have scoured the rosters over the last 10 years and determined this list based on the following criteria. One, accomplishments at BYU. Two, iconic BYU moments. And three, careers after BYU. So, so that, all that matters. those things considered. That matters. Okay? All right. Jeremy, let's go ahead and start with the spotlight position in the game of football and Clearly, the spotlight at BYU, our all-decade QB1 is, not surprisingly, Taysom Hill. Okay, five seasons at BYU. It felt like two and a half. Uh, Only one was full, 13 games. It was 2013. In that season, he had the fifth most yards in total offense in BYU history. Against seven Power 5 teams, by the way, as a sophomore. He played in 37 games, should have been 52-plus. 23 and 10 as the starter, 21 and 9 in games he finished as a starter, and there wasn't a single game where he started and finished that BYU wasn't within two scores in. Never got blown out. The that's some factor. That's a big deal to me. Almost 7,000 yards passing, 28 15 rushing. That's fifth at BYU. By the way, 470 yards taken away for sacks. He would have been almost the all time leading rusher. Seriously. 9,744 total yards, fourth in BYU history in total offense. That's behind Detmer Hollenbeck and ahead of McMahon, Young, and Bosco. I rest my case. There was only one name that even came close to popping into that Heisman Trophy conversation at any moment over the last decade, and it was Taysom Hill, and well-deserved. He played the most Power 5 teams of any BYU quarterback, 16 games, Won eight of those, eight and eight, that's, as a starter against Power Five competition. That's a better percentage than BYU won under Lavelle, won under Bronco Mendenhall, and won under, under Kalani Satake. He was the best quarterback BYU's ha- had in the last decade. Now, you, if you're discussing him against John Beck and Max Hall and Jim McMahon and Steve Young and Titan, now it gets interesting. To me, the greatest athlete 
who played quarterback. Even over Steve Young. Taysom Hill. Even over Steve Young. I believe that. Ty Detmer played 13 games against Power 5 competition. He won the Heisman Trophy. He was the best quarterback in the country. No doubt about it. Three wins, nine losses, one tie. That's tough. It's tough. This guy was supposed to go to Stanford, which is like the arch nemesis of BYU in recruiting and in the postseason right now. Utah is definitely the rival, but Stanford recently has given BYU so much trouble. This guy was going to go there. BYU is lucky that they got him, and he is an all-timer at BYU. Let's talk about the iconic moments for Taysom Hill. Yes. The game against Houston, over 400 yards passing, over 100 yards rushing. That comes to mind, but it's not first for okay. me. The so hurdle I, is the moment sure, sure. for him, right? Iconic moments. And I'm just going chronologically. So I start back, tw- even going back to 2012. Chronologically? This is an hour okay. show. Even going back to 2012, when he came in to replace Riley Nelson at Boise State, puts BYU in position to win that game and ultimately a 7-6 to loss, but then wins his first two starts. One of them is one of the best wins based on where the opponents finished uh, at the end of the season, Utah State. That they team finished, finished 16th. 16th. BYU and Taysom Hill in his second start beat that team. And his third start is Virginia, and BYU loses. But then he goes on a nice little run here, including Texas. At home, 259 yards rushing, which was just unbelievable. It was bonkers. The white dude in the knee brace, right? They're still seeing ghosts in Austin. Yes, t- exactly. Texas, everybody in Texas knows who Taysom Hill is well before he was doing things for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, just an all-timer, iconic. 2016, he wasn't the same kind of player. I'm not sure if it was the offense, if it was him hesitant with the knee or whatnot, but by pro day of 2017, when he goes undrafted into the NFL, and now he's doing just amazing things with the Saints, he was incredible in pro day. He ran a 4-4, and he's like 220. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? Um, It's been fun to see him at the next level excel because we knew he was an all-time athlete, an all-time player. It was just, it was fun to watch him. But what would have happened in 2014, and I've said this a bunch on the show, 2014, BYU is 4-0, they're ranked 19th, they're on the radar, Taysom Hill's getting some dark horse Heisman kind of conversation. That season was just starting. BYU only played three power fives, and they had already defeated two. They had Cal at the end of the schedule, who wasn't that good, ended up 5-7. and BYU's going to win 11 or 12 games in the regular and season. And validate independence. Yes. And, and BYU didn't play Utah. Maybe that's why, right? Uh, BYU struggled against the Utes. But I would have loved to see that. And see Taysom Hill with a full, flourishing career. We're now seeing it in the NFL. And I think a lot of us on the BYU side are thinking, this is cathartic for what we didn't see at BYU because he only played in 37 games. And it wasn't 13 a year for four years. He played on a broken foot against Nebraska. For the he whole third quarter. He played on a broken foot for an entire quarter. Oh, my gosh. He is Captain America. He is <laughs> Thor. He is Taysom Hill. And he is our all-decade QB1. Yes. Now about the guys that catch the ball. Let's talk about the wide receivers. I mean, uh, you look at the guys that we have here. Cody Hoffman, <laughs> Mitch Matthews, and Jordan Leslie. Yes, what, please. What a group. Yes, please. Okay, let's start with Mitch Matthews. You know how I feel about Mitch Matthews. I think he's the last great, great receiver that has played at BYU. Amen. We're still waiting for another talent like that. I don't know that we'll ever have a guy of his size do what he did. I think he's unique in that regard. Has BYU ever had a 6'6 guy that went and caught the fade like that? I don't think so. I think he's the best at that in BYU history. He was Taysom's favorite receiver, especially against Utah State. Good grief. Mitch Matthews had clearly iconic moments. How about the Hail Mary catch at Nebraska in the same game that Taysom Hill had to leave with a broken foot? Down to the goal line! I can hear the call. Great call by Sean McDonough. So good. Yeah. 
I, Mitch Matthews was so good. Top 15 in catches, yards, and touchdowns at BYU. Fantastic. Fifth in BYU history in 20, uh, with 24 touchdowns. Uh, 14th in yards, 12th in catches. His, uh, his final two games against Utah State, by the way. Listen to these numbers. 14 mm-hmm. catches, 275 yards, three touchdowns. Yep. Just dominated the Aggies. 20 touchdowns in the final two years. He became a very, very good receiver. I'm not going to use that word, but a Eat very, it. a very, very good receiver. I think in, in the uh, pantheon of BYU receivers, you could argue that he's one of the elite receivers. I, I, what my argument with you with this was nationally. I don't think people nationally took it, and we're not going to have that debate now. But <laughs> Mitch Matthews was so good. Cody Hoffman, uh, so good. I think Cody Hoffman's the second best receiver that BYU's ever had. All-time I, leading I receiver. Austin Colley's the GOAT. Austin, uh, Cody passed Austin's numbers because he had an extra year. If Austin plays four years, no one touches these numbers for yes. a um, The all-time leader in catches, yards, and TDs. 260, 36, 12, and 30. He had seven 100-yard uh, receiving games against Power 5 teams. Seven. His four games against Utah, 27 catches, 388 yards, and a touchdown. He had two 100-yard games against Utah. Cody Hoppen was really stinking good. Yes, and he had some of those unforgettable catches. He had a number two play on SportsCenter's Top 10 against Georgia Tech when he mosses that dude. I mean, just an unbelievable catch Okay, that he comes down with. Then the one-hander against Hawaii from Riley Nelson. So good. Yeah, Cody Hoppen made some incredible catches. Of course, New Mexico State was a terrible team, but he had a huge day against New Mexico State. And then we go to Jordan Leslie. He only played one season at BYU. He makes this list, though. But he made his mark. He was an overnight fan favorite. Yes, and we had a long discussion about whether Mitchell Juergens would be on this list over Jordan Leslie or not. We ultimately went with Jordan Leslie. Mitchell, don't hate. Uh, Jordan Leslie, the one year, but it was a good year, 2014. 55 catches, 779 yards, six touchdowns on a sprained ankle. Had four for 135 against Utah State. And then against Cal, Jared Goff didn't go to a bowl game that year, his sophomore year, I believe. Because five, of Jordan Leslie. Five for 155. He was good, made an immediate impact, transferred from UTEP. BYU needed him. He added to a good receiving core already. BYU had lost Cody Hoffman. Jordan Leslie occupied that space with Mitch Matthews on that team. Pretty it might good. have only been one game, but Jordan Leslie got himself into a regular season NFL game and produced one of the catches of the year in the NFL. Yeah, so we did, and he's a guy that at least got into a game, yep. right? Um, Mitch Matthews uh, was on some practice squads and whatnot, almost got into a game a couple times. Cody Hoppin, I don't think, got into a game either. So BYU struggled at this position to get guys in the NFL, but these three were awesome at BYU. If and I it, had to put somebody in the slot of those three, it probably would be Jordan Leslie just based on size because you have Cody Hoppin and Mitch Matthews on the outside. But yeah, Mitchell Jurgens is an interesting conversation there if you want to go the New England Patriots route or the Indianapolis Colts route with right. Peyton Manning when they're throwing to guys like Brandon Stokely and Julian, Julian Edelman. Edelman. Right. Yeah, Danny Amendola. Like mm-hmm. Mitchell Jurgens would be that guy for BYU. Yeah, a classic token short Y guy. Come on. <laughs> Come on. We can do better. There is only one name on our all-decade list at the – Running back position, Jeremy. No, it's not guess, Taysom Hill. Guess who it is? We could have done Taysom for both. <laughs> it, could have, it could have been Taysom Hill. It is not surprisingly the J Swag Daddy, Jamal Williams. He's unquestionably one of a kind. He's all time leading rusher at BYU, had over 3,900 yards, 3,901 yep. to be exact, and ran for a record 286 yards in a 55 53 win against Toledo, who had Kareem Hunt, another mm-hmm. NFL running back, on their team. The Swag Daddy takes our number one and only running back spot. Most carries in BYU history as well. Third most touchdowns. 15 100-yard games. 
He was good. And he brought so much personality to the position as well. Very hard runner. As a young guy, kind of got brought up with Taysom Hill because Michael Lisa broke his arm in the Hawaii game or uh, early in that season. Jamal Williams played with such great emotion, part of some really big wins. At Michigan State was a huge win. Spartans don't end up being that good that year, but Jamal ends up being a guy that helped his stock into the NFL. He didn't have to come back, by the way. So Jamal... uh, Dips out of school in August of 2015, does not play that season. He could have transferred, been a grad transfer potentially, or just left BYU. Chose to come back, finish what he started like Kylo Ren, and then he had a tremendous senior season, and now he's thriving in the NFL with the Packers. He just played with such ferocity. He never lost yards, and he never fumbled the ball. What more can you want from your star running back? You don't lose yards, you don't fumble the ball, and you put together 15 100-yard games. You're the all-time leading rusher. And he was a huge part of some of the biggest BYU wins over the last 10 years. There's a, there's a reason that without Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, BYU's not been the same team. In fact, they've been a sub-500 team since those two left. Yes, they went, BYU, they went 9-4 and four because of Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. I think they're probably 7-6 and six without them, right? And that's kind of what we've seen the last couple of years with BYU football is they haven't been able to get to that nine-win plateau. It's nice when you have an NFL battery. And they did with Tijon Chroma, by the way, who was injured uh, and, and missed uh, a bunch of time you know, last season and some of this season. Perhaps he gets a shot in the league at the, the next level uh, with the Chiefs or whatnot. When you have the quarterback, the running back, and the center that all have NFL capability, two of the three for sure, now that's special. What was Jamal's iconic moment at BYU? Does he have a moment? I know the game is Toledo, clearly, but does he have a moment? Mm. Maybe, maybe. Uh, well, there were a bunch. I mean, Texas, as a sophomore, he had 182. Wyoming putting his stamp on like, things as like, the forever poinsettia champs. Just, yes, the yes, stiff arm. The stiff arm on a guy. I, I think his moment was his personality. It was his wow. dancing. It was playing catch with the fans. It was his interactions with us. Uh, he called us uh, middle-aged vanilla men, uh, <laughs> which is completely accurate. Um, <laughs> Yeah, those were the moments for me. Those were the moments for me. Hey, we've got another pass catcher to talk about. Okay, another position uh, that stood out over a long period of time with BYU's tight end position. Um, but the story's not over for this guy. The best tight end of the decade, in our opinion, we give one guy. It's Matt Bushman. And it, it's not close, Jerem. Over this decade, there haven't been a ton of tight ends that produced for BYU until Matt Bushman emerged in 2017. And he was a freshman All-American on a four and nine team, like the bright spot. That's Fred, really hard to Fred do. Fred Warner on defense and Matt Bushman on offense. Matt Bushman has been the leading receiver in all three of his seasons at BYU. We'll see how things turn out uh, in 2019, or if he plays through 2020, he's got an opportunity because he is so good. If he wants to, probably go to the NFL. I don't know that he'll be that high of a draft pick if that's his choice, and I hope he comes back because he can uh, continue to stockpile uh, some attributes and improvement that would lead to him being a higher draft pick. Same with Kyrus Tonga, by the way. More on that later. He's been the best tight end in this decade, no doubt. And you look at the numbers, 1,600 yards uh, for a tight end. He passed Chad Lewis from 7th to 6th. That's big time. Nine touchdowns. Certainly can get better, but he's been a bright spot on on an otherwise struggling offense the last several years as BYU's tried to get back to what it's been. Um, He's not top five or top ten all-time tight end at BYU, in my opinion. He could climb into the top ten if he stays for a senior year and has a really nice season. He's got to pad those numbers a little bit more. Yes, and the tight end position, I mean, it goes quarterback, then tight end in terms of the great positions at BYU. 
even more than, say, linebacker, where BYU's produced a bunch of guys over the years. Tight end has been unbelievable here. Yeah, the last time BYU had an elite tight end, it was 2009. Dennis yeah, Pitta. Th- th- that guy. Yeah. What's Matt his name Bushman again? Is... What was his name again? <laughs> Stop it. Matt Bushman <laughs> is the next elite oh, Andrew tight George. end at BYU. That was yeah. Oh, my goodness. Andrew George did have an iconic yeah, he was, moment. That's for he was sure. Awesome. I think we thought that Moroni Laulupujitao would probably compete more in this. Um, it's been solid this year, but hasn't been targeted a ton. Just glad he stayed healthy. At least he's been able to play. That's great. But I, I wanted more out of him. I thought we, we talked about the Atula Mili, uh, Lewis, and George, and that other guy. It's so so much uh, during the summer. But yeah. Now, if Matt Bushman is the leading receiver for three consecutive years, then he's got to be in the top ten all time tight ends, right? At BYU. No, the no? offenses. No, no. It, the offenses uh, have not been that good. It's not like he put up 700 yards in, in any of these. It was like in the 500s. All right. Yeah. Okay. A debate for another day. Yeah. Finally, on the offensive side of the ball, let's look at the big beauties up front. I don't know why we call them. Why do we always call them the big uglies? I think, I, think I would never call them that because the big, they would beat me the, up. The big beauties. The guys who really go to work and uh, often aren't recognized. Yes, the offensive line. Who are the five guys that protect the quarterback, that open up holes with the running backs, and make the receivers look good because they're giving the quarterback time to get the ball out? Jerem, we're going with the following five. T. John Caroma started all four years. DeAndre Wesley, Matt Reynolds, Braden Hanson, another four-year starter, and Riker Matthews. This is a quality group, and uh, we almost have it where it's you know center, two guards, and two tackles, although I think uh, Braden Hanson uh, was – was a tackle. We have like four tackles in the center, I think. We could put Matt Reynolds on the inside if we wanted. Riker Matthews still in the CFL. Braden Hansen really good at BYU. Matt Reynolds, cup of postum in the NFL. Um, he was going to be a guy that played, uh, was going to be a first or second rounder. Decided to stay. Kind of hurt his stock a little bit, but he was tremendous here. DeAndre Wesley's played in a couple of games in the NFL, three officially. Hopefully he can play in some more, but he's at least been on some practice squads. And as I mentioned, TJ Karoma has been injured. Brady Christensen is a guy that by the end of his career would have cracked this, be on list, this list, in my opinion. Jeff Grimes has spoken very highly of him. NFL scouts say that he pops when they go to practice. In fact, he may be BYU's best NFL prospect at the moment. That's ahead of Kairos Tonga and ahead of Matt Bushman. Wow. Believe it. The next great challenge for BYU is to start producing the NFL offensive linemen that BYU was so accustomed to putting out in the 80s and the 90s and even into the early 2000s. It was just a regular thing. BYU put offensive linemen into the NFL. That matters. And at the heart of football, it's not the pass and the catch or the pass and the handoff or whatever. The heart of football is me making a block on you so that a guy can make a play behind us or in front of us, right? Um, that's the heart of football is blocking and tackling. And if BYU can get more of those NFL guys, hey, they can compete more in these loaded front Heavy schedules with Power 5 teams. The trenches are where you win and lose those games. It's not at the skills yeah. positions. You, where, you work from the center out. Where's the next John Tate? Where's the next Reynolds brother? I yes. mean, they had a few that cracked into the NFL. Who's the next guy to get into the NFL and stay put for a BYU offensive lineman group? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, that is our all-decade offensive lineup for what BYU a, football. What a team. You, I mean, you look at it from wire to wire. Uh, Taysom Hill with Cody Hoffman, Mitch Matthews, and Jordan Leslie. He actually did throw those guys with Jamal Williams. Um, imagine Taysom Hill throwing to Matt Bushman. Imagine Taysom Hill protected by Karoma, Wesley, Reynolds, Hanson, and Matthews. Woo! I mean, that would be awesome. 
That uh, would be awesome. Opening up some running lanes for Taysom Hill that's and a, Jamal Williams. That's a 10-win team. That's an 11-win team, baby. In the Mountain West. That's an independence-validating the- <laughs> team right there. That would have been good. Oh, but it man. depends on who is on the defense, right? Um, and coming up, does Blaine Fowler agree with our all-decade team? What does he know? Okay, let's be honest. He, he knows a lot of stuff. Up next, the all-decade defensive team makes us realize that we had some uh, serious ballers on the other side of the coin as well. This is BYU Sports Nation. You're on the all-defensive decade team. Woo! BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. If you want to listen to BYU Sports Nation, it's on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play, and enjoy on demand, and subscribe, rate, and review. Great to have you with us on BYU Sports Nation for this special hanging out in Studio B. Your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play continues. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here with our all-BYU football all-decade team. So there are two alls there. That's from the Department of Redundancy Department. Yes, exactly. The all-BYU football all-decade team. We cool with that? It's been a good decade. (laughs) We revealed the entire offensive side just a few minutes ago. Now we'll go position group by position group on the defensive side of the ball, and that begins up front with three defensive linemen. Yes, the all-decade team is running a 3-4 defense. We want more linebackers. Of those three defensive linemen, we feature a surprise, a giant, and what we think will be the next Cougar heading to the NFL in that position. They are in that order. Ziggy Ansah, Bronson Kafusi, and Kairos Tonga. Okay, let's talk about Ezekiel Zigianza. Obviously, the great story. Did you know he didn't play football until he got to BYU? I'm just kidding. We he took didn't know it. how to put on his shoulder pads? He was awesome, right? But he wasn't awesome until his senior year. In fact, uh, the first two years, he had seven tackles. That's it. None in the backfield. All of a sudden, his senior year, he has 62 tackles, which is a lot for a defensive lineman. 13 tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, a pick, and a forced fumble. Amazingly, he had nine pass breakups. Nine is a massive number for a defensive lineman. Fifth pick in the NFL draft, that ties the highest ever with Jim McMahon. His senior, he was so good. And this picture we have right here against Georgia Tech, that was kind of the breakout um, game for Ziggy where we thought, whoa, this guy is a hammer on the defensive line. He was just the, the guy from Ghana who had never played. And then he became, I don't know, this viable defensive lineman that is still in the NFL with my Seahawks. Ziggy Ansah is, yeah, need, and there needs, seriously needs to be a movie made about him. Like, there oh, needs it's to way be, better than Million Dollar Arm. There needs to be a full-scale, hundreds of millions of dollars Hollywood production on the story of how Ziggy Ansah made it to where he is in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, incredible stuff. And it took, Ethan, Disney. It took Ethan Manu Maliuna getting injured for Ziggy Ansah to come in. And I knew Ziggy before he played uh, on the football team because he was a guy that would play pickup basketball in the Richards building, and he would always dunk, and I just didn't want to guard him. I played him in an intramural game. Who wants to guard time, that guy? Threw down hard. I was just like, I'm getting out of this poster, man. Yeah, he, he no, was awesome. No, nobody, Such a nice guy, good dude. Nobody wants to guard that guy. And when I went to a Seahawks game, I saw several onside jerseys. Like People like him, which is pretty cool. Yeah, well, it's fun because Bronson Kafusi is also in the NFL playing with the New York Jets. And we think Kairos Tonga has the capability of becoming one of those staples up front in the NFL for a very long time, a la Helodinara and uh, some of the other defensive linemen that BYU, or sorry, that Kalani Stiker recruited to Utah. Like that BYU wanted. Yes, that BYU <laughs> wanted and did not get. I think Kairos got a lot of work to get to that level, but I think he could get to the NFL. Um, Kairos, BYU's best nose tackle in a while. BYU's had some good ones, some solid guys that you don't notice because 
the defense is not built for them to be uh, the ones getting sacks and getting yeah. in the backfield, right? The ends, yes, but um, Elias Tuiaki thinks that he, he can be a guy in the NFL. He said that early on, and we were like, whoa. Yeah. As a freshman, what? Um, and uh, we're excited to uh, have seen Kyra Strong in the last couple of years. We'll see what the future holds. We were all excited about Travis Tuiloma at Nose Tackle. Did mm-hmm. a great job, right? Kyra's Tonga is a better version of Travis Tuiloma. Uh, no offense to Travis. I like Travis, but uh, yeah, yeah, way yeah. better. Bronson Kafusi, by the numbers, is a top five defensive line in BYU history. Let me give them to you. Uh, 44 tackles for loss. That's third at BYU. Sorry, David Nixon. You had half tackle for loss less. Uh, 26 and a half sacks is fourth at BYU. 17 okay. quarterback hurries. 15 pass breakups is incredible. Obviously, a longer, taller guy that started playing basketball and football. Finally just migrated to uh, football, and he was incredible. Two interceptions, too, from the defensive line. Played some linebacker as a senior. Yeah, and he started to catch the attention more of his New York Jets coaches, and he did so in the preseason. Like He had, he had a disruptive NFL preseason, did some good things, earned his way onto uh, the squad there, and he's seen some time. So I, I'm, I'm happy to see him after he struggled with some injuries with the yeah. Baltimore Ravens. I am disappointed in Bronson in a major way, though. Just, just, he cut his hair. Oh, he, this, he, he cut this, the locks. He had these amazing, luscious locks, okay. and he cut them, and I don't know. <laughs> that's the only that's negative. The only it's the only negative. You and I knew Bronson back in the day calling high school games, Provo and Timfew, when he was just this young buck at Timfew. In fact, there was this full-court shot, basketball shot, against Timfew where he watches it as a freshman. And it goes in, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably. He's a 14-year-old kid with braces on his teeth. <laughs> Surrender Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> Love the Kafusis. Not bad on the D-line, right? Not bad. So we're going with the 3-4 because we want more linebackers because guess what? BYU, the last decade, has produced some really, really good linebackers. Mm-hmm. I would dare say top 20 in the country, right? Um, BYU's had this amazing run, and we give to you these four. Fred Warner. Kyle Vannoy, Sione Takitaki, and Harvey Longy. This is, this is uh, quite a group. Uh, yeah, clearly. Uh, we joke about BYU being linebacker you. Jerem, I think that they have a case, at least to be in the conversation over the last decade, based on what these guys have done and are currently doing in the NFL. The best linebacker on the New England Patriots, Super Bowl defending champion team, is Kyle Vannoy. He's the most disruptive player on the front seven. Fred Warner, we think, is going to make the Pro Bowl for the San Francisco 49ers in year number two. Crushing it. Those two dudes are balling out. We haven't seen a ton from Sione with the Cleveland Browns, but once he got back to his usual position at BYU, things got much better. Yeah, and he's with the Browns. That's the main issue. (laughs) When he was drafted by the Browns, I was like, oh, no. And I wonder what Harvey Longy would have done if he hadn't had to move positions at BYU as well. But both of, all of these guys are NFL guys. Yes, and the best of those. Three stuff. of them high-level draft picks. Yes, Fred Warner has been crushing it in, in year two in the NFL. It's been awesome. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, once he left Detroit, things took off for him. And at BYU, he had 62 tackles for loss. That is the most in BYU history. 25 sacks, seven picks, and he had the greatest quarterback, of any individual defense player in the history of BYU. Greatest performance, yeah. In the fourth quarter specifically, one pick six, one sack strip, forced fumble, fumble recovery touchdown. That's all in one play. He won the game by himself. And a blocked punt! He won the game by himself. Oh my gosh! He dominated. Like, if I played my six-year-old in basketball, I would not dominate her at a higher level than Kyle Van Noy (laughs) dominated the Aztecs in the fourth quarter. It was unbelievable. (laughs) Second-round pick to the Lions. 
we were on the set recording an interview with Steve Young the day that Kyle Vanoy was traded to the Patriots, and we informed Steve yeah. that this happened, and he said, "You just won a Super Bowl, Kyle Vanoy. Congratulations! Just won a Super Bowl. He just won a Super Bowl, <laughs> and they did that year. And then they went the next year and lost to the Eagles, and then they went the next year, last year, and won it. So he's won two out of three. I mean, just Jerem, think about this. Think about the linebackers that didn't make this list." NFL guys that didn't make our all-decade team. This was the hardest group to figure out. Alani Fua, Wani Unga, Spencer Hadley. All of those guys did not make the team, and all three of them played in the NFL Yes, this for is, multiple games. BYU can recruit this position and get it to the next level, in the NFL specifically, better than any other position. The hardest position is in the secondary, specifically cornerback for BYU. That's the hardest position. Yet, a few have made it. Pretty impressive. And they have, they have overcome. So linebacker, you pretty awesome. I mean, how many schools in the past five years have put eight linebackers into the NFL? We're talking about like a five- to six-year span, eight yeah. guys playing in the NFL. I don't know. I bet it's 10 to 20. But that's not a ton, right? Like what BYU's BYU's done has been up pretty, there, Yeah. For sure. Been pretty impressive. Okay, now to the cornerback position. We have another current National Football League representative in Michael Davis, who is starting for the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego. And on the other side, a guy who we think is going to make his way onto at least a practice squad, maybe a roster in the NFL, Diane Gawoliku. Yes, Michael Davis at BYU did not impress that much. He's been way better in the NFL than at BYU. In fact, Michael Davis was benched for Diane Gawoliku. It's hilarious. Michael's senior year. Isn't it? Uh, 110 tackles for Brother Davis, five tackles for loss, one pick, returned 40 yards, by the way, 17 PBUs. He's been a guy that's played over 40 games in the NFL with the Chargers, and the Chargers are a good team. It's not like they're just some slouch and he's out there, right? That wouldn't matter. We would claim it. We love it. Um, Michael Davis has been impressive, and was it Nick Howell that early on said? He's going to be an NFL guy. And I believe Blaine Fowler called his shot as well on that, said if he was at Alabama, he'd be starting. And we were like, wait, what? They were right. Michael Davis has been a tremendous pro player. Diane Gawoliku is the type of player that a special teams coordinator is going to get really excited about. Holds the BYU record since 2000 in fumble recoveries. He has a nose for the ball. Yes, he just makes plays, and he's so physical. He creates turnovers, not just by intercepting them, but by physical contact. He creates fumbles. I love the disruption that he brings on the field. Diane Gawoliku, very, very physical. Michael Davis is more of the speed finesse but a nice combination on the outside defending teams' receivers. In deep blue, Dango Wolku talked about how he would play soccer, but he would get too many fouls called on him because he would run into people. And then he discovered football coming over from war-torn Liberia and said, wait, I can hit people? This is my sport, right? <laughs> and so he's been a stat stuffer. Over 200 tackles, over 10 tackles for loss, 15 PBUs, interception and fumble and rush touchdowns. He has five career touchdowns. Pick six, scoop and score, multiple rushing touchdowns. BYU's gone to the scrum package with him and did so this season a bunch um, with Dianne Gawoliku at running back. He's a playmaker. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to like get an interception or make a nice play. He, he takes these interceptions and has a nose for the end zone. Yes, Boise State is freshman year, um, 2018 Cal, scoop and score, uh, multiple scrum packages uh, in the – Bowl game, Western Michigan. Even USC. the interceptions at Mississippi State in the game BYU got hammered Another in. Another pick six. Two interceptions for yes. him. And he just finds a way to get yards, to flip the field when he has the turnover. Yes, just so good. And he's a guy that we put at corner because we like the two safeties yeah. we have here. Yeah. Kainakua 
and Daniel Sorensen. Yes. How, about, how about those guys? Dirty Dan in Kansas City making plays. Love Daniel Sorensen. Love Kainakua. Both guys that have started multiple games in the NFL. Um, you want to talk about a ball hawk. We talk about Diane's ability to find the ball and create it turnovers. Kainakua with his three interceptions against Boise State in 2015, including housing the one right after mm-hmm. Tanner Mangum found Mitchell Jurgens. He produced the moments the loudest I've heard Lavelle Edwards Stadium in the last decade. The rapture started to happen, and then it stopped. It was like, wait, it's not time. No angels have come down. That's, that's, that's Kainakua, actually. Kainakua sealed the Poinsettia Bowl <laughs> for BYU in 2016 against Wyoming. Josh Allen, who, by the way, is killing it with the Bills. Hello. Former Wyoming quarterback. Yes. He was on a roll. The Cowboys offense got rolling. And you and I... We're, we're talking like, okay, this is the time where Kainakua needs, Kainakua to, make needs a play. to make a play. <laughs> and he did. Yeah. And he did. 164 tackles at BYU for Kai. Eight tackles for last. 14 picks. It's tied with Dewey Gray for fourth all-time at BYU. Do you know the all-time leader in picks, by the way? I had no idea who this guy was. Dave Atkinson oh, had 20. Uh, Tom Homo, by the way, had 13. I was going to say, Tom should be up there. Tom is uh, sixth. He so. had a pick six in the 1981 Holiday Bowl against Washington State. Yes, he did. And uh, an interception against Georgia in 82. Okay, what Pretty about good. Dirty Dan Sorensen? 211 okay. tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss, one sack, eight picks, 23 pass breakups. That's pretty good. Uh, one touchdown, and then he's with the Chiefs now. I mean, Daniel Sorensen, undrafted free agent, has been a regular on a team that has become one of the top five, seven teams oh. the last couple of years, right, uh, in the NFL. Kind of Kua has been bouncing around in the NFL a little bit, still around on multiple teams. Uh, with the Browns and the Ravens and the Colts. So best of luck to uh, kind of cool as he continues there. But Dirty Dan has stuck in the NFL, undrafted free agent at that position. So tough um, to do that. He's been, uh, it's been fun to watch him do things. Sealed the win against the Chargers earlier in the season in Mexico City on Monday Night Football. Pretty awesome. He was one yard away from two pick sixes at BYU. Just about had one against Georgia Tech and yeah. coming out party for Ziggy on say yes. And he had one against Idaho State. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm looking at this defense as excited as I was about the BYU offense. The BYU defense over the last decade is better than the offense, I would argue. Who who hasn't played in the NFL other than Kyrus Tonga and, and Diane Gawoluku? They're BYU, seniors this year, but we think they'll be there. BYU became a defensive school. Like, it's been weird, right? You want offense. You see the why, I think, passing. Okay, and last but not least, our all-decade specialists. So at kicker, Trevor Sampson, punter Riley Stevenson, and return specialist, J.D. Falsa. Okay, Trevor Sampson, interestingly enough, had the highest percentage of made field goals over an extended period of time in this decade. Single season uh, record at BYU and third all-time. Trevor Sampson. 84%. Unscholarshipped at one point. Trevor Sampson. Is the guy, Mr. Consistency. He earned it, absolutely. Riley Stevenson was a second-team All-American for BYU. He was a weapon for the Cougars, Jerem. A a legitimate weapon where Bronco would be like, no, let's punt on purpose because Riley's going to pin them deep. We have an elite defense. Let's put Stevenson out there. 42.9 yards per punt. Every year he had a punt of at least 60 yards. 78 inside the 20. 66, 50-plus. Amazing. Never never had a punt blocked. That's That's amazing. Second team All American, Riley Stevenson. And then JD Falslove. He had two touchdowns 
on returns, Jerem. Not many people remember that. Multiple touchdowns scored as a return specialist. And I did not realize how good he was overall with his average until I looked this up. His 9.6 return average on punts, best since James died. 10 yards a return? 96. 10 yards a return? So quick. Out of Logan, super athletic family. J.D. Falslev was, uh, at first you think sneaky, but Middle Tennessee State, right? What was that, 2014, I want to say? That... So good. He was such a weapon. Um, he was also a very capable holder. Skyview Bobcats, baby. There you go, man. <laughs> so, the de- yeah, defense and specialists. This was a really good group. You look at the talent that BYU put together. I think if in the last decade, obviously, BYU is independent. If they are in the Mountain West, there's multiple 10-win seasons with these guys. Man. But BYU goes indie. They stack it a little bit. Don't beat Utah. Don't finish in the top 25 without 10-plus wins. It's a little hard, but you can see that the talent's there. People yes. go, ah, it's less talented now. I don't know. Look at that. Well, and specifically, I'm thinking about the 2013 team. If BYU doesn't play seven power fives in 2013, then maybe. They chose that, though. They're a 10-win they team. They had seven defensive NFL players on that side of the ball, and Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. Okay, coming up, you've heard the all-decade teams, but who are the MVPs on offense and defense? Hey, Blaine Fowler gets to flex both literally and mentally with his ideas about members of the all-decade team. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, our BYU football all-decade special. Don't forget to listen to the show or any BYU Sports Nation by downloading the podcast. We are pleased to welcome in our favorite uncle, Uncle B, into Studio B, dual threat analyst, national champion quarterback at BYU, Blaine Fowler. Welcome to our all-decade special, Blaine. Oh, Blaine? This is fun stuff to talk about. I and mean, we, we could do a 400-hour show on this. That's called, AO, do, that's called AFR. Oh, okay. That's right. <laughs> no, we, we, we could do the decade. Then we can do the 50-year team. We can do it all. Now, I want to give you props for something that you brought up back in October of 2016 in reference to Michael Davis and you calling your shot about him being an elite talent that could start anywhere for Alabama or LSU or anybody. And people gave you a hard time about this on social media. Our Crack research team has tracked down this, this moment in October awesome. of 2016, Blaine. Listen to this. Teams are looking at film and going, wow, this guy is really good. Why are we going to attack this guy when we have young players over there? And it doesn't matter whether Troy's over there or Wilcox is over there or who it is that's over there. They're going to go at that corner. And if you're going at one side, even if they went at Michael Davis all game long, they're going to catch some balls on Michael Davis, just a, just a lower percentage. So they choose higher percentages. So if it seems like they're picking on those guys, it's because they are, but not because they're going, hey, these guys aren't good and these guys aren't talented. They're going, okay, what's our option here? We've got Michael Davis who can play. Michael Davis could start anywhere in the country. Michael Davis could start at Alabama at corner. He's that good. He, has the, he has the speed. He's got the size. He's a guy that translates into the NFL. And- you called your shot, Blaine. Some people on social media said you were on drugs. We're not going to name names, but they said I got to stop taking drugs. <laughs> You were right, man. And he made our old decade team. Yeah, and, and remember, they had they put Diane in. And, and, and Michael, there were some times when he was struggling when they were getting real complicated with the defense and some of the zone packages that they were running. But I'm going and watching him in one-on-one. And I know what the NFL scouts are looking at. And they're going, man, here's this long dude that runs 10, 600 meters, runs a high 4-3 or low 4-4-40, um, has great hips, and can just lock people down in man. That's an NFL corner. That's Alabama's corners, right? In fact, I bet I'm not sure where Alabama's corners from 2016 are, but I don't know if they're still 
starting they, in the NFL like yeah. Michael is. Yeah. Well, they weren't showing up uh, against Auburn in the Iron Bowl a few weeks and so, ago. So I knew that when he got in a system where all he had to do was football and he could be there eight hours a day and he could learn what he needed to do and he'd play a higher percentage of man, that he'd be a really, really good player. You just look at his physical skill set, and he certainly was that. Hey, he was good when he was here. Give him a guy and say, go lock that guy down. He could lock down anybody in the country. And he's still doing it. And he's still doing it for the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego. They'll always be the San Diego Chargers. I'm calling them the San Diego Chargers. They'll always be the San Diego Chargers. And that song needs to come back. Yes, it it does. So good. It's such a good song. Who do you like more, the offense or the defense here? Both awesome, but which team uh, wins? When when I look at at what you guys have put together, first of all, I agree with it wholeheartedly. There's a few players I might add to that, but um, the linebacking core. Whoa. We we could be talking about maybe an all-time linebacking core with a couple of, of exceptions. Kyle Van Noy is good as – I mean, he was phenomenal, and Fred was phenomenal. Um, and those two guys are tremendous NFL players. Fred's having a Pro Bowl type of a season. Kyle's been a Super Bowl starter and had a huge impact um, on one of the best teams in the history of the game, right? And so these guys are really, really productive. And they weren't – they're not just productive now. They were unbelievably productive um, when they were here at BYU. Kyle Van Noy, I, we, we talked about it the other night on our Countdown to Kickoff show – but he just changed the game. He won that game in San Diego in the bowl game. <laughs> I mean, that was crazy yeah. what, what he did. And I've never seen a defensive player just single-handedly take over a game. And so then you take Danny Sorensen and Adam to that linebacking core at strong safety and how good he was here. Dan- Daniel Sorensen may be the best special teams cover guy I've ever seen play at BYU all time, not just in the last 10 years. Um, and that's how he made it in the NFL. Now he's a starter at safety, but he made that team because of his special teams prowess. So, so I really, really like this this defense that you guys have put together, with particular high regard for. Uh, and this isn't taken away from Ziggy and what he's doing now. Um, he was just learning football when he was at BYU. He was like Michael Davis, where he looked at him and went, "Man, this guy's going to be unbelievable." In the, in the pros, and if he had played football five years earlier, he would have been the most dominating defender BYU maybe ever had. But he was just learning how to play. Then it was at the end of his senior year that we went, whoa, this guy is ridiculous. He's a freak of nature. He's a freak among freaks, and he's been unbelievably productive in the NFL. So, so that defensive side of the ball, you take Ziggy, Danny, and that, that group of linebackers, um, man, it, that, that's a good-looking defense you guys have there. What's wild is a lot of these guys played together in 2012 and 13. Yeah, those, it's incre- those it's- two defenses were unbelievable. And then you look at the offenses, it's young Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams kind of coming along, Cody yeah. Hoffman, pretty incredible. Yeah, and, and when I look over on the offensive side, um, there's some really solid offensive linemen. Um, I feel like BYU's offensive line prowess is coming coming back I think there's multiple NFL guys on the roster right now really is this the next moment where that, people that, say that you're crazy Blaine Brady Christensen's an NFL guy okay he's an NFL guy um he's just he's going to continue to gain weight his feet are unbelievable he's smart he's physical he's an NFL guy um and and I think he's gonna play a long time in the NFL and there's there's several others that are young, like freshmen he's a sophomore and I'm saying that right there's several other freshmen sophomore that's that I think are okay look out mark these guys they could be but they've got to have the mentality, and they've got to you know continue to get bigger and stronger. But but there's, I believe from the group that's in this too deep right now on the offensive line that there's at least three NFL offensive linemen. Woo. And has BYU had three NFL offensive linemen in the last ten years? No. And so I think that I think that that I think they've really done a great job of recruiting offensive linemen right now. Um, you know, Taysom on that offensive side has there been a more explosive player. The problem for Taysom is if Taysom could have stayed healthy his entire time, 
Well, who knows what he could have done? Because we see him healthy in the NFL, and he's just like one of the more dominating players. He's a freak among freaks. The NFL is a league of freaks, and he's a freak amongst freaks, yes. right? Yeah. And so he was phenomenal when healthy, right? And Jamal, you know, Jamal got hurt and sat out a year and did all that too. Um, yet, yet Jamal, when, when you had Taysom and Jamal, there were times when plays were not run right, when blocking wasn't there, and they still made plays out of them, right? Because they would just one-on-one just beat guys. <laughs> and it happened right there just around the corner. Yeah. Like, oh, you didn't block that guy? Don't worry about it. I got him. You know, and so so, and you you can see how talented those two are um, by what they're doing and producing sure. in the NFL. And you know, Cody Hoffman, you can't say enough about the all-time leading receiver. So, I, hey, there's great players across across the board on both sides. I think if I have to tilt it one side, I'm going to go on the defensive side just because of that great linebacking core, Danny Sorensen, Ziggy Bronson, who I think is a great. I mean, it, that defense is incredible. That you guys Absolutely. put together. incredible. Okay, Blaine, you look at the all-decade, all 22 that we have compiled here. Did we leave anybody out that deserves consideration? So we, we go back to the offensive line, um, and one of the guys that I think really unheralded, and probably because he just chose not to, I think he could be in the NFL right now, is Austin Hoyt. Okay. Who, who hmm. played four years. Remember, they started the guy as a 6'7", 6'8", 250-pound freshman, and he just kind of grew into the role. And by the time he was a senior, he was a 315-pound monster over there that was really talented and really skilled. Um, and a lot of – when the NFL scouts would come in, and I'd talk to him a lot when I'm at practice, they're always asking about him. And, uh, and he just didn't have an interest in doing it. And that's fine, right? He wanted to move on with his life and be with family and do all that. Didn't want that life. I think if he wanted to and wanted to work at it and loved – you know, just was loved it and passionate about it, he, he has the skill set to play. So Austin – I would say is one. The other one I was thinking about is um, we forget about him because he was hurt so much, but Craig Bills was a phenomenal talent at safety. And when we had he and Danny on the field at the same time, come on. They were part of that defense. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. But he had, he had the injuries, and so he was in and out. When healthy, he was an NFL type of a player. And there were, even though he went and got some tryouts, and then he had some more problems with his foot. And those NFL teams said, get healthy and come back because we really think that you can play. And he never was able to get as healthy as he, as he wanted to be. But um, when he was healthy, he's as good as anybody we've had back there. And, and I, boy, so we, because he wasn't healthy, we forget about him. But I think Craig Bills is a phenomenal talent at safety as well. We could throw in a long snapper and a holder too if you'd like. Yeah, you've seen that's the thing. You guys forget that there are more. There's two starters on a team. It's an hour show. You're long long snapper, and I'm going to put Mitch Harris there because not only does he, and he's the current guy. Not only does he do a phenomenal job of snapping it, but he's a great cover guy as well. He's a really athletic long snapper, and he's been money on both and 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 the short snaps. I put Mitch there. The holder's got to be Gavin. Come on. Oh, nepotism. <laughs> Wait, Come what on. other holder got credited by the head coach of winning a game? Gavin Bell. Wisconsin. Yeah, right? Right. And he's the only guy I know, period, that can hold for a right-hander, a right-footer and a left-footer. I, I ne- mean, I can't do it. I never thought about that until we had this conversation. The ambidextrous week. holder. So, and I can't remember who the lefty was back that, you know, a couple years ago. But but Ed Lamb said to Gavin, well, like we got to get somebody to hold for the left footers. And Gavin said, I, I can do both. And Ed's like, no, no, you can't do that. And Gavin's like, yeah, I can do it. And you got to think. Mitch Matthews was telling us that you want to catch the ball with your dominant hand. If you're right-handed, on you're going to catch better with your right hand on yeah. top, right? And so if you're catching a long. If you're right-handed, you want to hold for a right-footed kicker. Your right hand's on top. That directs where you put the ball down. You put your finger on top, and then you rotate the ball with your dominant hand. So now you get to flip over on the other side and try it. I've tried it. I tried to hold for Lee Johnson. Can't do it. I cannot do it. 
Um, and so it's not an easy thing. So just because Gavin's the ambidextrous holder, and I don't know of any other holder that the head coach said he single-handedly won a big game against a ranked team on the road. We have to give the holder to Gav. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, let's end on that nepotistic note, albeit a good one. And also, there's not many people that can handle anything from Lee Johnson, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up on our all-decade special, we dive into more of the details. This has been fun, hasn't it? So why would you go away? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Shows on demand as well on the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. Now for the most valuable player of our all-decade BYU football team. Jeremy, I know how much you love to define the term value and MVP, so... Let's do it. And may I present on the offensive side of the ball, even though he could probably play at a high level on both sides of the ball, Taysom Hill as the offensive MVP. This one feels super obvious, right? He was the best player BYU had in the last decade, I would argue, overall. So dynamic. We outlined it earlier, but such a game changer. Unfortunately, did not play a full career uh, Played at least a game in five seasons. But had we seen Taysom Hill full bore, everyone gets hurt, right? But no one gets hurt for season-ending injuries. We would have seen one of the greatest college football players perhaps of the last 10 or 20 years, right? He was that good. I hate that we have to have that conversation. What if Taysom Hill had stayed healthy? It's a huge storyline. I know. I know. But so many unfortunate and season-ending injuries, and yet he still is the MVP because of what he was actually able to accomplish in spite of those injuries. Yeah, 2013, he has a full season. The year before, he starts two games, which, by the way, people forget, the first play with Taysom Hill as a collegian was an 18-yard touchdown pass, yeah. not run, against Washington State and Mike Leach in 2012. 2014, go, jumps out 4-0. The Utah State game happens. Uh, 2015 plays the one game. 2016 play, plays 12 games. Didn't quite finish that one either. All right, on the defensive side, straight out of Reno, Nevada, Poinsettia Bowl MVP, two-time Super Bowl champion, Kyle Van Noy. Oh, so good. Just I, the fourth quarter, 2012 Poinsettia Bowl, just encapsulates his career. Playmaker, he drove coaches insane, specifically Kelly Papinga. What is he doing? Yelling in the Stay press in box. your assignment! And then he'd make a sack or a tackle for loss or a pass breakup or an interception or a forced fumble or a blocked punt or something, right? Just, just... Van Noyed the opponents, as our graphic says. How many players single-handedly won a game by themselves? Kyle Van Noy, you can make a case, did it against Mississippi in the first game of Independence, and then he did it at the end of 2012. When the defense stunk, what did they do? They said, hey, Kyle, go make a play. Uh, Quick story, Kyle Van Noy said to himself on the sideline before that fourth quarter, well, I'm just going to have to go win this game. And he did. And he did. Our thanks to today's guest, Blaine Fowler. Sorry to Dennis Pitt, we ran out of time, and you weren't in this decade either. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYU. And he just missed it, didn't he? Luckily. <laughs> For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to K.O. Aluhi. He's still celebrating in the end zone. Go Cougs! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now from Studio B, 
Here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. We're hooping it up. BYU Sports Nation is a go in Studio B. Your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wherever and however you're connected, welcome, friends. Alongside Cosmo's legal guardian, Jerem Jordan, I am merely Spencer Linton. Listen, the hardest thing is just communicating because he doesn't talk. So there's kind of this uh, cougar sign language that we have that to communicate. It's mostly a bunch of growls, and he hands me cougar tails if he's happy. <laughs> it's kind of a weird deal, but it, it works. What happens when he's angry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to say. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that tail gets going. It's wild. Okay, okay. Uh, I await the book at a future date. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Cosmo Sign Language. Yes. Co- featuring a forward by Spencer Linton, the life of Jerem Jordan yes. with his pet. Cosmo <laughs> tails all. <laughs> You're right. That was so bad. Oh, my goodness. Today, uh, we move on and focus on the best of the past decade in BYU basketball. We'll, we're calling it our BYU Sports Nation all-decade BYU basketball not, team special. We're not saying it. We're declaring we're de- it. We are declaring Michael it. Michael Scott, let's yes. go. Okay. So, And we, we put in a lot of work to come up with this list, Jeremy. Yes, we gathered our BYU Sports Nation research staff. There are a ton of these people. I think our staff is, what, 20 yep. minus 18 or something. Extensive notes, closed balloting, some of the top players between 2010 and 2019. Things we took into consideration, the criteria, if you will. Accomplishments at BYU, yes. duh. Iconic moments at the BYU. Hero moments. And careers after Brigham were taken into account as well. Hey, speaking of those iconic moments, why don't we rehash a few of those? about BYU basketball over the past decade. And who can forget in January of 2011? Mm. Mark Durant called it the greatest half of any BYU basketball player ever. Jimmer Fredette goes for 32 points, including a half-court buzzer beater at the Huntsman Center, and then walks off the court like, all right, guys, uh, why are we only up by 11? I'm under the hoop on the right right there, and I got this great shot. Why aren't we using my shot from under the basket is my real question. I don't know. Why are we using the mountains footage? Yeah, this is, this is SD. It's like super blurry. <laughs> was that even Jimmer? How do we even know that? No, that was a great game. Of course, he, uh, he goes nuts in that. And that was kind of the beginning of the Jimmer mania ball rolling. He had gone for 49 the year before, but in this game he goes nuts, right? 47 points. 47. After that, it was like, okay, the ball just kept rolling down the mountain. It was an avalanche of awesome. It was was amazing. Other iconic moments. BYU's incredible win at number one and then undefeated Gonzaga in the regular season finale. The Zags had already printed the newspapers that said 30-0. Yes, they did. 30-0. BYU trailed 18-2 in this game, by the way, to start. Everyone, you have to to play perfectly to beat a number one. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yoli Childs was hurt. He played sparingly in this game as a freshman off the bench. Eric Mika and TJ Haas. Finest moments, in my opinion, was that. BYU beats Gonzaga, and then you had the newspaper headline, 29 and no. Or was it, and don't. Dope. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. Yeah. BYU any, didn't any get into the, the NCAA wins. tournament, but that was, that was a great one. I mean, no any doubt, of BYU's no three wins yeah. in the Kimmel. I shaved my hand on the first one. Could be an iconic You moment. went to the game last year, but they didn't, didn't win. Out. So yeah. clearly, I've got to go. I don't have the same magic year. in the Northwest that Jerem Jordan does. I've got to go. Yoli Childs dunk heard round BYU Sports Nation oh, against Utah so good. in December of 2018. TJ Haas, great a, pass. Yoli Childs, grinder. better dunk. Oh, my gosh. This is, this is an old-timer, as Mark Durant said in the moment. Yeah. So good. And that was collectively BYU 
uh, exhaling some frustration in football, the Pac-12 Indy West Coast Conference thing. Oh, we at least had that moment, right? Oh, we at least had that. That was one. a great week. BYU beat Utah State and Utah in the same week. Well, get used to it. Yoli with the throwdown in the Royal Blues all over that red. Fantastic yeah. aesthetics there. That that uh, clash is like you know Sith Jedi kind of deal. Blue <laughs> red. I think it's awesome. And most recently, TJ Haas with a buzzer beater against a very good Houston team on the road to give BYU a huge win without here's, Yoli. Here's Charles. what it sounded like on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> We were all doing that noise. We were yes. all making that noise. Yes. That was a cathartic moment for all of us through TJ. Jason Shepard and Mark Durant. Mark hugging TJ right after. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was a great moment. That was a great win for BYU Hoops, one that they're going to carry through to Selection Sunday this year. Great moment for TJ Haas because he's been one of the best point guards that BYU's had, like top 10 point guard in BYU history. It's been awesome to see him have that moment. That was great. Yeah, and there are several other iconic moments. It's only an hour show, so yeah, we it's can't only an hour. all of them. We're already five minutes into this. And we I know some people are saying, hey, what about Jimmer embarrassing Gonzaga? BYU going back to the Sweet 16. We could do the amazing. Whole, we could do the whole amazing. show on Jimmer. Yes. And maybe we will do a whole show a on Jimmer. Top 10 Jimmer show. This is the all-decade show. That is yeah. not the day, or today is not the day for that, but maybe down the line for sure. Uh, as we begin our look into the all-decade BYU basketball team, it is worth pointing out that six of the top 15 scorers in BYU history mm-hmm. make our squad in the last decade. Tempo and uh, three-point line. That's what I say to that. Three-point revolution. Let's that start, helps. Let's start the conversation with the player that you know is going to be there. We've said his name like 17 times already in the first few say minutes it all of the show. Everyone together. Ready? Jimmer Fredette. Otherwise known as James, James Taft Fredette. Uh, Jimmer Mania was the biggest thing since, I don't know, like uh, sliced bread or the wheel or whatever. This was a big deal. Past the all-time leading score, Danny Ainge, in the same, uh, he had the single game record, 52 points, in the same game where he passes Danny Ainge. That was pretty cool. He was Ty Detmer, but with social media in play. Amen to that. Yes, exactly. If Ty was throwing 50-yard passes consistently on every play, right? 11th most points in a season in D1 history, by the way. 1,068. Pete Maravich has three in the top four, by the way. Uh, most 30-point games of BYU. Six 40-point games. Six. Six. Most threes made by BYU Cougars. Second-best free-throw percentage. And most people don't know this fact, Spencer. Fifth in assists and fifth in steals. Jimmer passed the ball? Of course he did. His first three years he did, yes. Jimmer played defense? <laughs> and that, Now, there's an argument with steals that if you get steal, that doesn't mean you necessarily created the steal, right? Steal's a weird deal. You poke it out, and I grab it, I get the credit for that. But, Jimmer Fredette, top five in points, steals, and assists, not bad. I remember the night I heard that Jimmer Fredette scored 49 points against Arizona, and BYU handed the Wildcats their worst home loss in the history of the arena, and I thought, who is this Jimmer Fredette guy? I mean, we knew he was a good player and he could score, but... He was first team all league as a sophomore. 49 points at Arizona. At that point, I was like... Okay, maybe BYU's got somebody special here. Because no one accidentally or in a, uh, no amateur scores 40. No. Like, you have to be incredibly skilled to have 40. And uh, that, was, that was kind of the first nod. The first nod where it, or inkling to, that Jimmer would be Jimmer was when he had like 32 or 33 against Wake Forest, who was ranked sixth his sophomore year, in a like super uh, hot Marriott Center yes, that night. that Wake Forest team had that, like four NBA guys on it. That night, it, it grows every, it, the number gets larger every time. 17 guys. I think, I think it was three, yes. Greatest NBA team ever The whole Wake squad Forest. made the whole NBA. It was crazy. <laughs> BYU had three or four on the roster, right? Um, yeah, it, 
that night I thought, whoa, who is this kid? He had like 32 as a sophomore. Can you imagine? Like Connor Harding this year having 32 against a top 10 team against Kansas or something, right? That didn't happen. But you go, whoa, 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 what? That was the first time I thought Jimmer may be different. Jimmer Fredette, first team All-American, national player of the year across multiple oh, yeah, platforms. Oh, yeah. Got BYU to the Sweet 16 for the first time in 30 years. Got them there without Brandon Davies because of that whole situation. Jimmer carried that team. Incredible. 52 points in a game against New Mexico. Noah Hartsock said, you know, the, the great quote that, uh, you know, I'll bring up later uh, <laughs> from that game. It was, awesome. it was awesome. Now, the one thing that Jimmer does not have, Jerem, is the title of all-time scoring leader at BYU. Wild, right? That honor belongs to the next member of our all-decade BYU Sports Nation basketball team, Tyler Hawes. Some people don't know this still. It may be news to you that Tyler Hawes passed Jimmer Fredette in points. Tyler Hawes is the best mid-range shooter in BYU history. Tremendous score. Uh, improved on his three-point range as time went on. He played the exact amount of games that Jimmer did, by the way, and had 121 more points. 0.8 points per game more than Jimmer. Eighth in made threes. First in free throw percentage by 1-100th over Jimmer, by the way. It's that close. Tied for ninth in steals. First in 20-plus point games. And listen to this. I did not know this until we got ready for the show. Of all the players in the history of the NCAA scoring, Tyler Haas is 20th in career points. Whoa. Are you kidding me? We're not doing a stat of the day today, but that's the one. 20th in NCAA history in points. Tyler Haas was taken for granted, and I knew that we would all feel this way when he left because it was just easy. And Terry Nashif deserves some credit here because he designed the offenses that got Tyler Haas a lot of these shots. They found ways to let him score the basketball. BYU's offense was really dynamic and really uh, strategic, and just it was just very clever, a very clever offense with Tyler Haas. He could score in a myriad of ways, but we, we took him for granted. And then he was gone, and I was like, Oh, man, uh, we're filling the void here because you can just count on it. 20 points a night. He was it, well, he'll so score 20 points a night. Three seasons of 20 plus. And the only reason he doesn't as a freshman is because he's a freshman and he's playing with junior Jimmer Fredette and junior Jackson Emery and so on. But, and, but Tyler Haas fit into that uh, mold. At the Mountain West Conference Championships his freshman year, he got hit in the eye. And it was so bad that he could barely see. Yet he went up to the line, and I'm pretty sure he made both uh-huh. of those free oh, throws. Yeah. Like, he was so good. And so, he put in so much time. And he even kind of coached up his younger brother, who has become a top 15 scorer in BYU history, which is incredible. More on that coming up. Uh, and TJ, of course. And then Dad Marty, a, a legacy family. What would Bill Walton say about the Haas family? Oh, there has never been a greater basketball family than the Haas. <laughs> Seven players, all All-Americans. Incredible. <laughs> and Wake Forest's entire team was in the NBA later. Yeah, wait a minute. Tyler Haas, he went for his 40-plus game against Virginia Tech on a neutral court. Yes, yes, he did. Virginia Tech, a good team to beat if you're BYU. Yeah, it's, it's happened. Amen. That season happened. Amen this season. Amen to that. Okay. We should point out, Tyler Haas was on that team that ended the NCAA streak for BYU. He helped BYU yes. beat Florida in 2010 with Jimmer. Yes, his freshman season. Then he went on a mission trip, and he missed Jimmer Mania. Ugh. In the Philippines. Okay. okay. Now to the other guys in the top 15 in scoring, and also on our list, Kyle Collinsworth, Brandon Davies, Yoli Childs, and TJ House. Two current fellas. Uh, yeah, let's start with Kyle Collinsworth, though, Jerem. Mr. Triple-Double. Really? I didn't know that. Big rush of five. NCAA record holder for triple-doubles. Kyle Collinsworth Get your hoodie today. went to the NCAA tournament in three of his four years at BYU. That is good because right now BYU doesn't go to the NCAA tournament. And he let's hope they do this year. On the Sweet 16 team, he played an integral part 
on that Jimmer Fredette team as a forward. They asked him to be a big man on that team, and he had to play that role, especially when Brandon Davies wasn't on the team late in the season. Against Florida, he had 16 rebounds. Holy cow. Yeah. He missed some critical free throws down the stretch, but I didn't want to bring it up. Okay, but NCAA tournament three out of four years, and the one year he didn't go, BYU went to the NIT Final Four. Yeah. So, no, this is I, – I would argue that Kyle is the most versatile player in BYU history. Obviously, right? Triple-double. Came um, back from an ACL tear, and he yes. was better? Yes. He was better. 11th in points, first in rebounds, first in assists. How, how are you first in rebounds and assists? Like, what guy does that? That's Mr. Triple double insane. Yeah. Second in steals, by the way. Um, you could, I mean, you could cobble those together and argue that he's the best overall player. I've, I would say that Jimmer is the best, uh, second best player that BYU's ever had. I would say Danny Ainge is the GOAT. Uh, but Kyle Collinsworth is in the conversation. You could argue from a versatility standpoint. It was, it was unbelievable. And it was fun, right? You're playing this meaningless game against Pacific in January. You're walking out and scraping ice off your car. Life just stinks. It's dark too early. But you know what the light at the end of the tunnel is? That Kyle Collinsworth may have nine rebounds. And you're waiting for that 10th <laughs> rebound. Woo! Everyone's going crazy. People are going nuts. Yeah. It was a thing. It was a storyline. Kyle Collinsworth is the next man. Mr. Triple Double. Okay. Brandon Davies, 12th in points, 7th in rebounds, 6th in blocks. He came back to BYU. He didn't have to. He could have oh, left. And what a pure big man. You think about And he's become just, way better has, as a pro, by the way. He's had an incredible professional career. He played in the NBA. Don't forget that. He had a dream to play in the NBA. Trust the process? Was on, that was with Brandon Davies. He was on a tanking 76ers team, but he got there, yeah. and he contributed. And now he is a stud in European basketball. I still think he had the purest post moves of any big man in BYU history, Jerem, he was so smooth in the post. We knew him as a freshman in high school when we called his games at Provo High on iProvo, iProvo for life. Uh, Brandon Davies was a good player, and BYU always had a shot with him in the game. Nearly took down t- top 10 Baylor at home the weekend that Robert Griffin III had uh, won the Heisman, right? A three-point attempt from Brandon. Um, there, Yeah, he was really good. Yoli Childs. As a big man, makes our list uh, because he's been unbelievable. And it's uh, nine-game suspension this year certainly hurt his aim at getting uh, some of the accolades in the end, like number one in rebounding. He was pacing to totally do it. We'll see if he does it. 14th in uh, top 15 in points, top five in rebounds, top five in blocks, 40, 30-point games for Yoli Childs. He is one of the best big men in, in BYU history. He's one of the top 15 or 20. Yeah, you mentioned versatility from Kyle Collinsworth. Yoli Childs is trying to make his game more versatile, be a defensive star. We know he has inside game. He's worked really hard to stretch the defense out on his three-point shot. Yoli Childs has a shot to make it at the next level. It's uh, it's a little bit of a stretch, but he's got a shot. Well, next level for sure. To You're be talking an NBA. NBA. Yeah, he's okay. got a yeah, shot yeah. to be an NBA player. And I just like everything that he brings to the game. Uh, and I like his... His versatility on the defense side, his vertical spacing. Vertical he's, spacing. He's our nice. lob guy, right? He's the dude that you throw it up and he dunks hard. It just feels like he's limited by calling him that, though. He, I know what you're saying, but he, he is tremendous uh, as a player. BYU has done a nice job with him. I hope this season for T.J. Hazanoli Childs that BYU can get to an NCAA tournament. Because uh, for Jake Toulson and whatnot... If you, don't, if you go your whole career and you don't make the tourney once, that's tough. And we value that in our conversation here. Sure, um, yeah. And, and if Yoli Childs and TJ House had made a tournament or two, maybe they're higher on this list, right? And, and it's not necessarily in the order, although we did Jimmer and Tyler, the 
two best scores in BYU history initially. Yoli Childs is, is tremendous. Jackson Emery is on this list uh, oh, man. as well. we'll I mean, get, but they might not be top 15 scores, right. but... We'll, and we'll get to Jackson. But T.J. Haas, T.J. Haas continues to climb the charts as well uh, with this group. Top 15 in scoring, one of six players in BYU history with 200 made threes. Top 10 in assists. He, he, he has, I almost want to say he's done it quietly. T.J. Haas hasn't missed a, a, a game as a Cougar. That's incredible. For the most part, right? Like... It, the Wizard of Haas. I, I like that. That's good. <laughs> the, the, the Ginger Mamba. The Ginger Mamba. We'd like to call him. Yes, the Ginger Mamba, TJ Haas. When he's on the floor, BYU is a better, more creative basketball team. Like, there's one guy that I feel okay with dribbling around a lot on yes. the floor right now, yes. and it's TJ Haas. Because he's he the att- only one. He attracts attention, and then, bang, he's throwing it to a guy, no look for an easy layup. Or he can dribble into a big-time three-pointer. T.J. Haas, when he has the ball in his hands, BYU basketball is better. He is a pure creator with the basketball. I don't think there's really anybody else like this on the list. Jimmer Fredette is a scorer with the basketball. T.J. Haas is a different type of player. He is a creator with the basketball, both as a passer and a scorer. He can do a lot of things. He's a unique player. How dare you disparage Jimmer in I'm any just, way, shape, or form? You know Spencer what I'm Linton. saying. He is a scorer with the basketball first. I don't think T.J. Haas is that player, but he can be. Yeah. He can go for 30, but he can also go for 15 assists. T.J. Haas is still climbing the assist chart behind Jimmer. Just keep that in okay. mind. All okay? right. Just All keep right. that in mind. Okay. Granted, Jimmer had like every possession in his hands. <laughs> There's that too. Yes. <laughs> the, the usage rate was high. Okay, now for some guys, again, that are not top 15 scorers. You already brought up one, Jackson Emery, the defensive Mm -hmm. MVP on this squad. Chase Fisher, three-point sharpshooter straight out of West Virginia. Elijah Bryant, I wish, oh, I wish he would have stayed one more year. And Eric Mika, how I wish he would have stayed two more years. But those are the next four on our list, Jerem. Okay, Jackson Emery, 27th in scoring, 38% three-point shooter, lockdown defender, number one in steals in BYU history. That is his greatest attribute in this conversation, is that Jackson Emery, is the best perimeter defender perhaps in BYU history. He played a great Robin to Jimmer's Batman. If you ask Jackson, he would say he's Batman and Jimmer is Robin. That's a conversation for another day. He was on the second best team in BYU history. The 81 Elite Eight team, to me, is the greatest team of all time. The 2011 Sweet 16 team is the second greatest team. And Jackson Emery and Jimmer Fredette had three years in that backcourt together. There's a reason that BYU was so good those three years. It's because you have Jimmer and Jacks together. Two steals a game. You can guarantee two steals, a two game. steals per game. And those game. are his steals most of the time, by the way. Like I talked about. Out not, on the perimeter. Not you poking yeah. it out and I grab the ball. Anticipation. It's him getting the ball. And then he goes down for that two-footed dunk. Yeah. His signature dunk. Yeah. Jackson Emery, super athletic and uh, the best defensive player on our all-decade team and for listen, sure. And listen. We're going to roll out our starting fives. You're going to need Jackson Emery in that crew because there's a lot of offense here. He, Defensively, he might be, it might be yeah, a little he tough. He might be first off the bench. First <laughs> off the bench. Chase Fisher. And a lot of people forget just how deadly this guy was from beyond the three-point line. He came in and in two seasons. Did he shoot a two at BYU? I didn't, uh, I'm unaware. Made over 200 three-pointers at BYU. I, it, he was... He reminded me a little bit of that Jimmer effect. Oh, he look, take, he shot it too. Okay, there's he one. He would take gotcha. some deep threes and never a hesitation. Super confident shooter. And so people say, oh, Jim, Jimmer effect. And then against Chaminade. Oh, these are three twos. Wow, he shot a lot. He makes 10 three-pointers in a game against Chaminade. Everyone makes 10 threes against Chaminade. No, no they don't. <laughs> Chase Fisher, out of West Virginia, the transfer from Wake Forest. I loved his trash talking, loved his accent. 
He was a fresh take on BYU basketball. If you need a big-time shot late in the game, he's your guy. Number one in BYU history in threes made per game. Okay, that's saying a lot. He made 215 in two years. What if he had played all four years here? Remember Wake Forest transfer? There's a little connection there with oh, yeah. Mark, Mark Pope, Pope there, right? Yep. Fourth in total threes made. That's in two, two seasons. Years. Um, top 15 in scoring average, by the way. Scoring average. And one of ten players in BYU history with a 40-point game. So there you go. Yeah, Chase Fisher had a 40-point game. Was it against Sean? I assume it was against Sean. <laughs> okay, Elijah Bryant. Only really saw him peak for about a year and a half. Came off a red shirt. Um, this was still battling kind of knee issues in the offseason. Got a scope, I believe. That next season, his junior year, 18 points a game. We talk about the 180 thing, right? If you combine with free throw field going three-point percentages, he got to 175.9. Um, all West Coast Conference player, 85 made threes that year. He became such a, just a knockdown shooter. Elijah Bryant, and I remember this after the Portland game when he went nuts and made a bunch of threes early in the game and he and Yoli Childs were joking because uh, some BYU fans and some BYU commentators had mixed up their names. But he said, hopefully this uh, helps people remember that I'm Eli and he's Yoli. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, that's like a deeper conversation that's kind of weird, right? Elijah Bryant. I Seriously, love those guys. I, if he had stayed another year. Don't, don't do it. I know. Don't do the it. The hypothetical game. It stinks to think about, but that's what we do. This is supposed to be a fun, loose, flowing, energetic show. Don't bring it up. Yeah. No, yeah, no you're right. Terry Nashif, and you talk to any of the coaches, like when Eli was redshirting, and they'd always say, you, you just need to watch Elijah Bryant. When he's going to play, he's really good. He embarrasses our team in practice. And he embarrassed, he embarrassed, embarrassed many uh West Coast Conference foes as well. He, he was very focused, and, and now he's doing great things in uh, Israel professionally, right? Like you said, would have loved to have him for another year. Left uh, doing his thing, doing his, doing his vlog, right, uh, on, on has his YouTube channel. Very focused. A guy that came from Elon, kind of small school uh, in the south, and had a major impact. And his middle name is Brigham. That's one of my favorite things about yes. him. His middle name is Brigham. A couple of things about Eli Bryant. He helped BYU climb over the hill after losing three straight to Utah basketball. And he helped BYU beat St. Mary's in Las Vegas to get to the championship game. That game was awesome. And then you f- I forgot that BYU had to play Gonzaga. No, 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 but no. it was awesome for a day. Two-point game at halftime against Gonzaga. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yay. Losers Woo. talk about margins. Uh-huh. Okay. How about Eric Mika? Speaking of guys that left a little bit earlier. Yes. Eric Mika is one of the few players in BYU history to have a 20-point a game and nine rebound or more season. Eric Mika did that his sophomore season. And, yes, did leave early. Had he stayed, perhaps we would have seen the Lone Peak 3 blossom. They didn't. That's another show. Eric Meek was so fun. Just a dunking machine, the goggles, the block, beating Gonzaga, the tremendous post moves. Didn't have much of a kind of extended jumper. Hit it from the 15-foot range, but he's extended that out now as a pro, which is awesome. Played in Italy, played in Germany, played in the G League, now in China. Um, summer League in the NBA. Never quite got to the NBA. Hopefully at some point he does that, but he, he was a guy that came in with a lot of hype, and he answered. He answered his freshman year before his mission and his sophomore year especially. 20.3 points per game, shot 53%, 76% from the free throw line, nine boards a game. He was awesome. As amazing as that win at number one rank Gonzaga was in 2017, I think that was uh, the real push-button start for Eric Mika to go pro. And so that, it shouldn't have happened? If no, it didn't no, happen, no. he would have come back? I, maybe. That would have been the sacrifice. 
that team was one and done in the NIT, so yeah. who cares? Yeah, may- maybe Can he we go comes back, back in time. Be- <laughs> get him to come back his junior year. You don't you don't want to end he- Gonzaga's perfect season on their senior day. No, it was awesome. That was right. amazing. It was awesome. But if I could have him come back for his junior year, I just loved that when Eric Mika was in the game, BYU matched up with any big man in the country. I kid you not. It, throw any guy, Duke, Kansas, you, whoever. Eric Mika could have matched that as a sophomore on. And so that's why it was so disappointing to see him go. And we were all kind of surprised that, that happened at all. But uh, his, his sophomore year, tremendous season. I'd argue one of the best big man seasons in BYU history. Yeah, going back over the last 20, even 25 years, I was thinking about all of the great BYU big men and Hafa Araujo and McKelly Wesley and Trent Playstead and Kena Young, Brandon Davies and Eric Mika, in terms of just pure big men, footwork, passing, shooting, those two are the guys. Yeah. Those two are the guys, not just in the last decade for me, but the last 25 years. It's a fun conversation because all those guys have some extreme value yeah. to their teams. Good times. Yeah. All right, those okay. are your 10 on the all-decade BYU basketball team. Coming up, does Greg Rubel agree with us on the all-decade team, and who would be his starting five? Ah, uh, yes. Who makes his starting five? Does he agree with me or with Jerem? Because there is a little bit of a difference. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Escucha. Listen to BYU Sports Nation On Demand on iTunes. Tune in or Google Play and enjoy On Demand and subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate it. You can also mira, right? Mm-hmm. Escucha, mira. I, I, the extent of my uh, Spanish. Yeah, me too. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> Should have taught me more. Welcome back to our BYU Sports Nation all-decade BYU basketball team special alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. We gave you the 10 players on the list, but who gets in each of our starting fives? Jerem, who's in your starting five on the all-decade team? Uh, Jameer Fredette, okay. as he was called by one writer to us one day. Uh, Tyler Haas, Kyle Collinsworth, Brandon Davies, and Eric oh, Mika. Oh, I thought it was so going to be. Okay. I, was... I go big. I, I need uh, Eric Mika out there to protect the rim. Brandon Davies as well. I'm, go- I'm going with two fours, essentially. Kyle Collinsworth, one through three, right? I'm not asking Kyle to be uh, what he was at BYU. I'm asking him to mainly defend and get some offensive rebounds because guess what? Jimmer Fredette's going to have the ball in his hands and probably just shoot a three, okay? Tyler Haas is going to take the possessions when Jimmer gets a little tired. And uh, there. So here are my reserves. The other five, of course. T.J. Haas, Chase Fisher, Jackson Emery, Elijah Bryant, and uh, Yoli Childs. Okay. So you, And you've got your defensive specialist probably being your sixth man, right, Jackson Emery? Yes. Jackson Emery <laughs> is in my reserve team. Now, I thought about putting Jackson in the starting five just for defensive purposes, right? Jackson could also knock down a three. Like if Jimmer draws a double team on the perimeter, boom, Jackson on the wing. Oh, we saw that so many times. I feel like this matchup, by the way, of starters versus uh, reserves would be really close. I don't feel like there's this huge divide. Not a ton of separation? No. But Jimmer probably tips the edge, right? Probably. Because Jimmer (laughs) tipped all the edges every time, right? (laughs) My starting five has four of the five that you brought up. We only disagree on one position. So, uh, duh, yeah, Jimmer for dead. Mm -hmm. Starting guard along with Tyler Haas and Kyle Collinsworth. That backcourt is incredible, right? I'd put that up against anybody. And Kyle Collinsworth can play defense. Steals, rebounds. Like, he's a big guard. I like that. Joining Kyle Collinsworth, Haas, and Fredette, 
Yoli Childs, mm. and Brandon Davies are my bigs. I like the rim protection from Yoli. Again, his vertical spacing, his ability to uh, go out and defend and rebound. And I think Brandon Davies is so smooth at center. And uh, I, I won't go to the what if, but... <laughs> you stop it. You stop with the what ifs because it just hurts. Yoli Childs and Brandon Davies are my bigs. Now my reserves, Eric Mika and Jackson Emery are probably my first two off the bench. Mm-hmm. Eric to give a spell to either Yoli or Brandon in some foul trouble. And Jackson Emery, if BYU's in uh, an offensive shootout and they need some defense lockdown defender, then Jackson comes in and shuts down an opposing scoring guard. This would be so fun to see these guys play. Now, what's fun is some of these guys have played pickup together. So in the summer, BYU will play these pickup games, and guys will come back. So Brandon Davies, uh, playing in Lithuania last summer, the last couple summers, he would come back, and he would run with these guys. Um, some of the guys get too old. and ha- Like, Jackson Emery right now is not going to hang because he's not laced them up uh, as frequently, right? But guys that are still playing professionally come back. And they have a chance to get up and down in that annex, which is awesome. And uh, it's pretty fun to watch some of those guys come back and yeah. just light it up. And, and guess what? It's, it's skins versus shirts. And uh, there's no uh, play. So Chase Fisher's going to shoot from like 40 feet away. Sure. Yeah, just Chase crazy. Fisher will shoot from new. And Kyle Collinsworth will 100% of the time be on the skins team. Uh, that, <laughs> yes, that, he will. That will happen. Or wearing his triple do- double hoodie <laughs> with all the dates, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> he had more triple doubles than Shaq. You know, like and 10 it plus it wasn't, it wasn't close. And it wasn't close. Man. You did, 12? did he have 12? Yeah. I can't even remember. Was it 12? 12. 12 triple-doubles. 12 triple-doubles. Shaq had six, and then Kyle broke the record and then continued to break the record with each following triple-double. What a fun period in BYU history the last 10 years. Now, the only thing that's missing for this group, by the way, more NCAA tournaments and more wins in the NCAA tournament. Only one team out of this whole group won two games in the NCAA tournament. That's hard, right? W- winning two games is, I guess, difficult in the NCAA tournament. None of these teams won the Mountain West or uh, West Coast Conference championships in the tourney. That's hard as well. These are things BYU needs to overcome, and it doesn't take uh, amazing players per se to do it. It just takes the right strategy. It takes the right shooting night. It takes the right you name it. St. Mary's did it against Gonzaga last year. Like It can be done, and I'm looking forward to seeing if BYU can be its best in March and uh, get the monkey off the back of not winning those individually. And these teams were fun. They won conference championships in the Mountain West. We have yet to see that in the West Coast Conference. I imagine we might not see that until Mark Few leaves the conference. It's, that's, he's the commissioner, as I've called him. Yeah, an interesting point you bring up. Did any of these players have a winning record in the NCAA tournament? I don't think any of the players on our all-decade team had an overall winning yeah. record in the NCAA tournament. And that doesn't really matter to me it's you can have one special season and be remembered forever like the Loyola Chicago guys that got to the final four they're immortal there you know what I mean among that fan base and it doesn't matter what else they do even if they go to the tourney and lose one and done as his grandma Jean or sister Jean sister Jean yeah sister Jean man yeah who's the BYU sister Jean that's the real question (laughs) there are a lot of sister Jeans in the West it's gotta be Elaine Michaelis right it's gotta be Elaine Michaelis yes that's, Elaine Michaelis? That, that's probably, I love Elaine. I, I know. She's the best. She's in every match. She's awesome. a volleyball court named after her, for crying out loud. Now, now there's a, not a lot of facilities um, at BYU that have a woman's name on them, and it is notable that the court is named Elaine Michaelis Court. I think that's awesome. Okay, so to recap the starting fives, I go with Jimmer Fredette, Tyler Haas, and Kyle Collinsworth as my backcourt. That is the exact same as Jerem's backcourt. And in my frontcourt, Yoli Childs, 
and Brandon Davies. I are put the big Eric men. Mika. And you've got Eric Mika over Yoli Childs. Childs. And that's the only difference. And why did you opt for Mika over Childs again? I like uh, all of them, but I just <laughs> I just thought Eric I just wanted Eric Mika's versatility uh, to be able to the mid range jumper. I think he's I think he's one of the best low post scorers. I think that um, Yoli Childs is certainly a tremendous low post scorer as well. Yoli's strength is that he can draw you out as well. Both can rim protect. I just like Eric as like a six ten guy down there. I believe Yoli's what six eight. So just a he's not undersized, just a little short. I wonder Can't how many guys. Here. I wonder how many guys are going to compete against each other in the Euro League because now Jimmer Fredette's playing for Panathinaikos, yeah. and he could compete against Brandon Davies in Barcelona and and Maccabi Tel Bryant. Aviv and Elijah Bryant. Right. Like, is Eric Mika going to make his way to the Euro League at some point? Did Israel become a part of Europe all of a sudden? They're just in the Euro League. Will, right? Yeah, will Yoli Childs be playing in Euro League at some point? He hopes not. He hopes the NBA. He hopes not. I, I think that's probably where Yoli's going to go. Um, but I think the G League is certainly an option for Yoli Childs. And let's see how he continues to play this year. So far, so good. Okay, those are our starting fives. We still need to discuss our all-decade most valuable players, Jerem. And the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, will join us. Does he agree with everything we've said? I'm sure he has some other ideas. Uh, yeah, did we leave an obvious name off the list? Is there somebody on this team? Gavin McGregor. Somebody not on our list that should be? Raul Delgado. <laughs> Greg Rubel bringing his takes on this special. This is BYU Sports Nation. Augustine Ambrosino. Get out of here. My bad. We missed those guys. BYU Sports Nation keeping it real in Studio B. Welcome back to our BYU Basketball All-Decade Team Special. As always, you can listen to this episode or any episode of the show, for that matter, by downloading the podcast on your preferred platform. Now, if you missed it, Let's run down the list for those just joining us. Jimmer Fredette, obvious. Come on. Jackson Emery. Brandon Davies. Don't call him Brandon Davis. Tyler Haas. Kyle Collinsworth. Don't call him Kyle Collinsworth. Chase Fisher. Eric Mika. Elijah Bryant. TJ Haas. And Yoli Child. So two of the ten are current players. Now joining us to analyze the top ten Cougar basketball players from the 2010-11 season through the 2019-20 season is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell. Greg, welcome to Studio B Hello, on Greg. such an Hello, guys. epic show. And Happy New Year. Yes. Happy New Year to you as well. <laughs> We've compiled a juggernaut of a team, Greg. But of those ten, who's in your starting five? Ooh, starting five. Hadn't thought about that. Um, I, I, I want to go uh, Jimmer. Mm-hmm. I want to go Kyle. Uh, I want to go Brandon. Uh, I want to go Yo. And uh, Tyler. Tyler, okay. Yeah. The all-time leading score rounds out the five. There's a lot yeah. of a lot going on in there. Yeah, and, and, I, 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 and that's just top of my head. I could have made a couple of substitutions really quickly there and still been pretty happy. But you yeah. still could after the tip. Just yeah. first dead ball. Just first dead ball. Bring in Chase Fisher. Bring in Elijah. Bring in, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, whatever you need. Yeah. For the record, your starting five is my starting five. Oh, really? Well, good. Yeah. Now, yeah. I differ just a touch. Um, I had Eric Mika in there. I okay. think that Eric Mika is the best low post score you always had in a while. Granted, it's a fun argument between he and Brandon Davies, mm-hmm. which this has been a very, uh, I guess, guard-heavy kind of offense the last several years. Yet BYU's produced some uh, quality bigs the last couple of years. Well, either way, if you went with uh, Yo and Brandon or Yo and Eric Mika as, as your 4-5, you're in great shape no matter what. Uh, and, and you could say that both Brandon and Eric have established themselves as professionals. Uh, both play the games just a little bit differently. Uh, I guess I'm just a little partial to Brandon. He was a longer-duration guy. Uh, Eric played just the two seasons. And so I'm probably leaning uh, toward Brandon for that reason as well. But Eric's back in this situation. He's back. 
In the All-Decade team. He's back. Oh, truly, there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For his fifth season, yeah. or his third season in this case. Greg Rubel with us on BYU Sports Nation. What changes would you make, if any, on this team? Well, I just have a real tough time leaving out Noah Hartsock. Uh, he has a special place in my heart. And, and uh, he was a leading scorer. You, you take a look at the, uh, at, at the 10 seasons we're talking about, and, and he's the only guy that was a leading scorer for one of those seasons that not, that's not in the All-Decade team. Uh, that, that first season post-Jimmer, he was the man. And that was a season two where people thought, well, Jimmer's gone, Jax is gone, what do they do? And, and Noah led that team and got them back to the NCAA tournament as well, let's not forget. And, and so I, I really have a tough time not finding a spot for Noah. Uh, he's a thousand-point guy. Uh, he was a four-season guy. And again, t- I had to kind of carry BYU at a, at a spot where people were looking for the next answer. And uh, so I really am favorable. Uh, I, I, I favor Noah a lot. Uh, Matt Carlino is right there. I think if you look, if you look at the next two guys who didn't make the list, probably 11 and 12 are Noah and Matt. Uh, and Matt was a guy who wasn't, uh, wasn't a four-season guy. but was a three-season guy, but another 1,000-point score. Uh, a couple guys on this team are on the thousand, in the 1,000-point club after only two seasons, Chase Fisher and, and Eric Mika. Elijah never got there, but he got really close. He had two really productive seasons and, uh, and was just very shy, of the, just barely shy of the 1,000-point club. Noah Hartsock had one of the all-time quotes. So Jimmer Fredette goes off for 52 against New Mexico in the semifinals 2011. And I don't go to the press conference because I'm going to get some interviews that we're going to add to the press conference. So Noah Hartsock's the guy talking to everybody else. Like, no one's there because everyone wants to hear from Jimmer. So I say, Noah, what was it like to be out there for the – or what will you remember from this game? And he said, that Jimmer Fredette and I combined for 59 points. <laughs> <laughs> he had seven. Right. He had seven. So he had a sense of humor as well, which yeah, is awesome. very woody, smart dude. Okay, and well, again, and just, a good, and just a good guy. Yes. Great guy. Yes. Excellent yes. teammate. Uh, and I, I still remember him playing through stuff um, in particular – uh, the game at uh, at San Diego State, uh, the 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 one at the tail end of of uh, Jimmer's senior season, Noah was you know barely barely good to go and and played a really I, I thought a really key game for BYU. Oh, he hit some enormous yeah. shots in yeah. that game. Yeah. When you look at all ten on the All Decade team, what do you like most about the list that we've compiled? Uh, versatility, uh, the fact that so many guys can do so many different things. Um, I, th- I think we're leaving Jackson out of the starting five, aren't we, right? So you're leaving one of the best defensive players ever off, <laughs> off the def- off, because you've got a Kyle Collinsworth that could do so yes. many different things. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, if you, if you had a guard line with, uh, with Jimmer and Kyle, you throw in Tyler as kind of that wing scorer, and then those two guys we talked about, if we went with uh, Brandon and, uh, and Yoli Childs, I mean, that's just so many guys that can do so many different things. Uh, tough to beat that group. Look at my reserve team and tell me what um, place they would take in the WCC this year. Okay, <laughs> TJ Haas, right. Chase Fisher, Elijah Bryant, Jackson Emery, and Yoli Childs. So a little small, but... Maybe Eli plays the four. Yeah. Do they take second to Gonzaga? Do they challenge Gonzaga? Uh, they're right there. Yeah. I, I think um, you, know, you might need one more big, big. Uh, to truly challenge, but I, I think you're right there. I throw out Elijah Bryan. I throw in Brandon Davies. Yeah, that I'm, team win I'm, the league? No, no, I'm thinking a little okay. differently now. Yeah. Well, yeah. team wins the league. Noah Hartsock if you want another big in Throw there. in Noah, right, yeah. for 11. That would be incredible. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, this, hey, this is fun. And here's what impressed me the most about this era. Seven of these are guards. You know, you could put Kyle, obviously Kyle Collinsworth, very versatile, but um, Dave Rose did a great job of developing all his players, but the guards, and I think four of the top 14 in BYU history are from this group. That's pretty notable, the way that Dave Rose and now Mark Pope are developing these guys. And, and the way that they could, um, you know, 
construct an offense around a key player. And and people might might wonder why certain players after they leave they leave BYU don't have the same kind of success other places. I think it's because the coach did such a great job of saying we're going to make the offense revolve around this player, get him the looks he has to get to make us win games. And that happened consistently over the last decade, last two decades. You've broadcasted some unforgettable moments over the last decade with these guys and these guys producing a lot of those crazy I mean, just unbelievable performances or buzzer beater shots. What's the most memorable play-by-play experience you have featuring a guy from this all-decade team? Well, many Jimmer games became instantly memorable uh, for a lot of the different reasons, whether it's the number of points he scored, uh, the records he set, uh, the distance from which he shot. So, you know, a handful of Jimmer games come to the top of the list. Uh, we, may, we talk about Noah, and I think about the comeback against Iona. In the, that, that was not a Jimmer team. That was the year after Jimmer, right? Um, that was as memorable as it gets. Uh, when you're out, you're all the way out, and then you find yourself advancing to the next round. Uh, that was amazing. Kyle Collinsworth triple doubles. Every time you got close, that was a fun moment mm-hmm. uh, when, when something good was about to happen there. And, and the Gonzaga wins. Right since uh, you know since BYU joined the WCC, it was post Jimmer. Uh, some of the biggest wins for BYU have come up in Spokane, and so uh, those are some some that come to mind immediately. Uh, of course, you'd like to be say you're celebrating a conference championship, um, but that hasn't happened yet. And I think when that happens, that'll be the next big, big, big moment. Yeah. And perhaps the yeah the missing piece of kind of this is okay, getting over that hump. Yeah, I wonder if BYU is going to get a Jimmer for that in the future. I feel like technology has changed to where Jimmer's going to be on more radars um, now. This is like pre HD video. This is huddle and football has changed the game, right? I think BYU got Jimmer Fredette at the exact right time. And it was at the end of the Mountain West Conference era, and it was just an unbelievable season. I would hope BYU would, but I think technology is changing it to where Jimmer might be a bigger deal in nowadays. And it'll have to be a guy that, again, he wants BYU. It'll, it'll, have, it'll likely be an LDS kid that wants the BYU experience and is, and is amazing at basketball. Then you can kind of recreate that situation. I think it would have to be that kind of combination. Yeah, a, a, like a two or three star that had three D1 offers. Just BYU hit struck gold with that yeah, one, Yeah, wild. And again, he wasn't a starter his whole freshman year. He wasn't, he wasn't Jimmer until he was into his career, and BYU decided this will be the guy that we're going to build around, and they certainly did. I shouldn't the Ben guy, Murdoch was, shouldn't the, Yeah, shouldn't yeah. Ben be on this list if yeah. he started over Jimmer? That's <laughs> yeah. crazy, right? Come on down. Yeah, the there senior are, season There are a guy. lot of great things to pull from the fact that Jimmer didn't start any games as a freshman. Uh, it, it can be instructive for uh, any big-time recruit you bring in, right? Uh, this may be feeling he's not being utilized uh, the way he'd like to. Is, you know, you, you always bring up Jimmer and say, hey, you know who Jimmer was and is? He was a backup his whole freshman. Now, he wasn't necessarily happy to be the backup his entire freshman season, <laughs> but he was, and he came back, and he used it to build off of and, and become the player he was. Yoli Childs and TJ Haas are seniors for BYU basketball this season. They make the all-decade team. If you had to project about one of the underclassmen that are currently at BYU that would have a case at the end of their career to be on an all-decade type team, who's that player? Hmm. Uh, uh, Gavin Baxter, probably, you know, because we're, we're, he's kind of out of sight, out of mind right now. Had a pretty solid freshman year. And, and if he has three healthy years after this, um, I, I, I think his combination of skills will be really beneficial to BYU. And, and that's just one that immediately jumps to mind. Um, I think Connor Harding is an all-around, you know, 
just solid, solid player. Um, but he's still a reserve, and he'll have had maybe two seasons as a as as, as a bench player. Should we get through this year that way? Um, this is going to be a a senior laden team um, and veteran heavy team that uh, that Mark Pope relies on to hopefully get him into the postseason. Now here's a fun thought: If BYU goes to the NCAA tournament and say let's win a game, and Jake Toulson plays a role in this, then does Jake Toulson maybe sneak into this <laughs> conversation as well? Depends how he finishes the season, yeah. right? Is that he, a strong he, would, start? he would have had two BYU years and then uh, and then a third after his UVU career, right? He would have been a thousand point scorer if you include his UVU years. So yeah, yeah. So kind of year. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he gets into the mix. <laughs> okay. Right? Interesting thoughts. If you're barely off this list, you're still really good. These are all conference guys. And for the most part, again, everyone we're talking about, with the exception of Elijah, is a thousand-point guy. And, and again, Elijah was just barely close to it after two seasons, and two guys got there with just two seasons. But most of these guys are guys that you know really had to um, you know put up some serious numbers. Now, I seriously considered Nate Austin just because I love Nate, and uh, he's the Listen, all-time fouls leader. <laughs> offensive rebounds. You need a foul in a moment. You know what I mean. And no Nate one answered Austin. the bell more times than it. He's the career games played leader. The block right? at Gonzaga. So, healthy. Kyle Wilcher. Yeah. yeah. And he's still around. We still get to enjoy him. He's still around. And that's probably my favorite thing that we've ever done with this show is we we summoned a sign from the Rock that had the foul countdown to when he set the record. <laughs> to when he set the record, they were going crazy. That doesn't make your favorite. Uh, that can't be the favorite thing moment. you've done. <laughs> <laughs> I love Nate. We was, love Nate. That can't so be it. It was so weird. It was so weird. I loved it. Oh, that's my favorite stuff. thing was matching haircuts with you. That was actually well, you know yeah. something to shoot for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Greg, we appreciate you joining us for my this pleasure. all Great decade insight. special, yeah. man. Appreciate Fun it. Chat. Thanks, guys. Fun stuff. Times, <laughs> Coming up, we unveil our all decade hoops MVP, and we'll unveil our all hoops non jimmer MVP. Just gave it away but yes, it's pretty obvious. This is BYU Sports Nation. (laughs) BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Now this is a show that Roland Minson can get on board with. We have our all-decade team. We have our respecting starting fives in that all-decade team, but we have yet to name an official all-decade MVP. Jerem, would you like to do the honors? James Taft Fredette. Jimmer Fredette is, of course, the most valuable player, the best player, the most outstanding player, however you would like to couch it. Value, production, blah, blah, blah. Jimmer was the best. Now, there's no argument there, and I think we all agree, and we all know about Jimmer. So I think what we should do is... Uh, talk about a non-Jimmer MVP. <laughs> like, remember in 2015 when the Hail Mary happened and we said, what's the second best play of the year? Because it's so obvious what yes. the play of the year is. Yes. Jim Fredette is obviously the all-decade MVP. So who is the non-Jimmer MVP of the last decade in BYU Hoops, Spencer? This is really tough because there are four or five deserving candidates, but based on career resume and what he meant to each team that he was on, other than Jimmer, for me, it's Kyle Collinsworth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, amen. The most versatile player on the all-decade team, whether it be defense, rebounding, assist, and he was Mr. Triple-Double. He went to the NCAA tournament, as we brought up earlier in the show, three out of four years. He was on the Sweet 16 team. Yes, he was a freshman on that team, fresh out of Craig Drury's Provo High School squad. Uh, you mentioned the triple-doubles. We talked about it earlier in the show. 11th in points in BYU history. Somewhat surprising, right? 11th in points. I, I wouldn't say that Kyle was the most dynamic scorer, but you look back and go, well, actually he was 11th in points. He, he was a good scorer. Um, had a couple of threes in there, but didn't need he – could, he could finish with both hands. He could defend. I mentioned it. First in rebounds and assists, second in steals. You could argue that Kyle Collinsworth is the best 
overall most versatile player in BYU history. Look at all the different things he can do. He's played in actual games in the NBA, albeit it was with a tanking Dallas Mavericks team, but he still sure. found his way to the league and contributed and did some nice things in actual games. Yeah, undrafted guy getting into the league, right? And uh, did a nice job to be able to get there and, and has continued to play in the G League and find some success uh, there with the Dallas Mavs team and now the Salt Lake City Stars. Kind of fun to have him back home. Provo High kid that you and I got to know on iProvo with Brandon Davies and Chris Collinsworth and some of the Tiffy guys. Uh, Bronson Kafusi and otherwise were really fun. Kyle Collinsworth has had a tremendous career. The thing that maybe sets him apart from all of these other guys is the adversity that he overcame while he was at BYU. Yeah, who had a torn ACL among this group? Nobody, right? And he came back and he was stronger and he was better. Like, it's one thing to come back from an ACL and be a contributor and player. He got better after his ACL tear. That's hard to do. Yeah, and it happened in a West Coast Conference championship game. So that was tough because BYU was kind of in that game at the end. Kyle gets hurt. They rally for a minute, but then kind of get, get blown out after that. Yeah, you lose one of your captains, and then you saw what happened to BYU in the NCAA tournament against Oregon because Kyle was not able to play. He lose by 19. Yeah, I went to Milwaukee, Algonquin for the good land uh, for that one, and it was tough emotionally against the Ducks uh, without him. Yeah, Kyle Collinsworth. You could, I mean, there are other guys you could argue with this, but you look at what Kyle Collinsworth did. The NCAA tournaments is a big deal to me, especially because we're in a famine, if you will, a dry spell of no NCAA tournaments the last four years. It just feels like, man, going to the NCAA tournament perhaps is a bigger deal than we think. If BYU went one and done this year, I would be happy because going to the tourney is a significant benchmark for it's the next any step. NCAA tournament team not named fill-in-the-blank blue blood, right? It's been four years since BYU's been to the NCAA tournament. Four years. That's too long. Let's go back. Kyle Collins was got there three Well, you and I went years. to the tourney, you know, recently, but BYU didn't play in it. We attended. <laughs> and you, you remember how, how much fun it was? Oh, it was so fun. Oh. It was so fun. We would play the March Madness theme right now, but we don't have the rights. So <laughs> Nobody does. The Olympic theme Just and CBS. March Madness themes are yeah. off limits, baby. I, I, Oh, wait, I can't even air trumpet those? Okay, we will not. <laughs> this was a fun show. Look how good BYU basketball has had it with the individuals. Hopefully they can put it together and get back to the tourney at some point. Tournament train. Let's go. Choo-choo, baby. Our thanks to today's special guest, Greg Ravel. Okay, uh, we had no time for Dennis Spinney, even on this basketball show. Join the conversation on our all-decade team on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYU. I forget it. Is Dennis a good basketball player, Jaron? I played with Dennis, yeah. I called a foul on him one time, and he got mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and now we know why it's so petty. <laughs> it was petty for him. It, it was Jared a foul. Spencer, shout out to Jeff Campbell. See you back in studio. Be very soon. Go Cougs.